Blog Talk Radio. All right, fans, here we go. Four two-minute rounds of boxing scheduled women in the ring. Welcome, fight fans, to the two-minute round. You're hooked and jabs. Look at female boxing. This is episode number 126. We haven't been with you since the beginning of February. We've been busy, but here we are back. You thought you had gotten rid of us, but we are back <laughs> here on your airwaves. My name is Felipe Leon from Southern California, and with me, as always, from Northern California. We're not enemies. We're friends. <laughs> Ms. Lupe Gutierrez. Lupe, how are you doing tonight? Hi, I'm doing good. I can't believe it's been that long. Crazy. I know. And in the Inland Empire of Southern California, Mr. David Avila. David, how you doing? Good, good. And of course, we love Lupi. Yeah, we love her, <laughs> even though we're out here in Southern California. But that's neither here nor there. Uh, well, we're here to talk about female boxing, and there's been quite a lot since the last time we were here. In early February, and we have a lot coming up, especially the much-awaited fight on April 30th, which we're going to touch on later on on the show. So, fairly quickly here, let's go on to um, our fight results review and just kind of touch bases on some of the bigger fights that have happened since the last time we were on the show, starting with Saturday, March 5th in the Czech Republic. Uh, the current WBC Adam Weight 102 pound champion Fabiana Bitiki scored a unanimous decision in a non title fight in a six rounder at light flyweight against Ivanka Ivanova. While in San Diego, California, uh, British Sky Nicholson scored a unanimous decision against local Jessica Juarez in a six rounder at 126 pounds. There were 60 54 two times and 59 55. David, I believe you were in the house that night yes. in early March. Now, this was the pro debut for the for Sky Nicholson from England. And you know, how much does Eddie Hearn believe in her that even though he has multiple and and, and you know often fights in the UK, he flew her all the way out to San Diego, California, which must have cost a pretty penny, her and her team so that she could make her pro debut on this card. So what does that tell you about his belief in Sky Nicholson? Well, I'm not sure. Well, her first fight, she fought in a very amateur style, didn't really do any serious hitting, did a lot of touching and running. But the one thing you can't deny is she is a pretty woman, and she's an attraction. Uh, In her second fight, however, she vastly improved, looked really... Somebody must have told her, and uh, she actually fought like more like a pro in her second fight. Lupi, did, did you get a chance to watch this fight? And uh, what did you think of her style? Yeah, I got to watch some of it. Um, she, I, all I can think about is how um, I know it was three three weeks notice for Juarez, and she was still had a baby. But all I could see is that Nicholson would go in, and then and then leave, so she was in and out a lot, and Juarez couldn't catch her in the ring. 
Mm. And that's all I really remember is her just really moving, moving and using the ring. I mean, her style, she has a lot to improve on still. I mean, she's really young. I mean, for, for Eddie to bring her out, I mean, that's huge. Um, not that I was disappointed in the fight because they're so young, but I just expected a little more um, excitement from the young crows. Well, she is come, She has. I think she has fought, and we'll touch on it. She's fought one more time since then, and she's going to fight again, and we'll talk about that as well. On mm-hmm. Friday, March 11th, a little bit of a slight upset, you might think, when Mexican Jessica Neri Plata scored a split decision win over long reigning. I think, I think at this point she was the longest reigning female um, champion after Cecilia Breakhouse Break, who's lost her title a couple years ago. She was the longest reigning champion be- behind her, Jessica Tutti Bob. So now, Jessica oh. Tutti Bob, I think she was longest reigning, longer. After Cecilia lost, I think she was the longest reigning champion out there until she lost uh, on March hmm. 11th. Hmm. So she ended up losing her WBA 108 uh, pound title. Scores were 97 93 and 96 94 for uh, Jessica Neri Plata and 97 93 for Bob. Bob has not mentioned. If she will continue fighting, she's had some upsets. Um, she lost uh, in the Olympic trials as a pro. She wasn't able to do that. She was trying to go to the Olympics. And then after that, she lost a six-rounder to a local Argentinian fighter. And then she ends up losing to Jessica Neri Plata. So she is not a champion anymore. And on Saturday, March 12th, from Nottinghamshire in the, in the U.K. on the zone, Terry Harper scored a unanimous decision over Jamila Belen Avellala in her pro in her debut at 135 pounds, capturing the vacant WBA Intercontinental title scores there were 99-91 three times. But more important, well, I don't know if more importantly, but more excitedly, I don't know if that's a word, excitedly, and David, you could correct me. Um, <laughs> Erika, Erika Faria scored a split decision win over local Sandy Ryan, in a 10-rounder at 140 pounds, scores there were 97-94 and 95-94 for Farias and a 97-93 for Ryan. And the story here is that Erika Farias multiple-time champion in different divisions with about maybe three or four times the amount of fights that Sandy Ryan has. I think I believe Sandy Ryan was like 4-0 and and 5-0 and when she fought Farias. And, I mean, we called it, I mean, at least I thought about it that yeah. It kind of reminded me of uh, of uh, uh, what's her name the the shark Melissa um, Melissa Hernandez winning over uh, Selena Barrios and this reminded me of that and it yeah. proved to be true in the ring. Um, what did you think was the thinking behind putting Sandy Ryan against Farias this early in her career, Lupi? He just likes to get his girls out there. I mean, he really does. He thinks highly of his girls, and he thinks, and he knows it can hang, and he wants to showcase his girls. I mean, Sandy Ryan versus Erica Farias. I, you know, I didn't watch the Terry Harper fight, but I really wanted to watch this one, and I was so impressed with Sandy Ryan. I mean, while most of the young pros are fighting Beck Conley, Shelly Barnett, and Becky Light, Ryan went right for the former world champ, who can, and Erica Farias can never be counted out. I mean, she had controlled the fight and was always a step ahead of Ryan, which is to be expected. Um, but I, I feel I just love Sandy Ryan, and, of course, I love Erica Ferris, but I love how she went out there and did that. So 
So, I mean, I'd like to see Erica versus Jessica again, and maybe R- Sandy Ryan versus Jessica's teammate, Summer Lynn. Really mm, good. That's a good one. David, do you, after seeing Farias win this fight, even though it was against a a much less experienced fighter, we saw that, that you know, it wasn't the time to put it on, but you got to give Sandy Ryan the credit in her team to even considering the fight. Do you think that Fighters kind of jumps back into kind of like, a, a, you know, an elite level at that weight class? Or do you think that it wasn't enough in beating a, a 5-0 and fighter? Uh, no, I think, um, actually, people forget this is, uh, this is about entertainment. And to me, that fight was very entertaining. I thought uh, Sandy Ryan made some adjustments to close it out because Fadia's kind of just jumped ahead right away. And uh, that's good, you know. She lost, she learned, but in terms of entertainment value, I'll always watch Sandy Ryan. After that fight, yeah. I, I know what she can do. Yeah. Uh, she stepped it up. I'm going to watch her every time. Hmm. Now, yeah. I mean, I kind of appreciate what Eddie Hearn and Matchroom and her team were trying to do here. I mean, they were trying to kind of cut in line and by beating an Erika Farias, who, quite frankly, she hadn't looked that great in her last fights, you know, against Michaela Mayer. She was kind of like, you know, very basic. And then even worse than that, how she looked in that in that re- rematch against Jessica McCaskill. So you can't really take away from the team in trying to kind of jump ahead and beating a fighter like Erika Farias. But... I believe that you have to be like pretty, like pretty close to 100% sure that your fighter is going to be able to pull that off. And if you have a little bit of a, a, of doubt, then it's better not to do it. Because you might say, oh, well, she learned a lot from this fight and, and blah, blah, blah. But I think, you know, the hit to her, to her confidence and her psyche, a loss is a loss. And I think that could also prove to be, I, I'm not going to say detrimental, but kind of like slow down her process. So uh, we'll see what happens with Sandy Ryan and let's see if Erika Farias gets a, a minimal, a more meaningful fight, David. I, I, I think that in terms of the way she lost is what, what's important. If she got knocked out, then I would wholeheartedly agree with what she said. But the fact that she barely lost, you know, she lost, Yeah, but, but it David, wasn't like on. a landslide. But in, that 97-93 for Ryan, that was home cooking, baby. I mean, come on. I mean, oh, yeah, yeah, no, no that, was, that was very yeah. wrong. I agree. Yeah. Yeah. Very, but, but she learned. Yeah. I mean, if they would have said that, a 95-95, and it would have been a draw on that judge's card, I mean, I would still kind of like be protesting, yeah. but not as much as a 97-93. I mean, come on. That's ridiculous. But, yeah. you know, it is what it is. You know, following the fight, if I can just say following the fight, Sandy Ryan on her social media, she said she couldn't believe the love and the amount of fans and more fans she got just off that one getting in the ring with Erica Farias. She did get a lot of love. People respect that. They respect that more than you know, fighting an old pro. Um, On Friday, March 18th from Dubai, Estelle Yoka Mosley, the French woman, scored a split decision over Janina del Carmen Lescano in a 10-rounder for the IBO 135-pound title scores. There were 97-93 and 96-94 for Mosley and 97-93 for Lescano. And on Saturday, March 19th in Buenos Aires, Argentina, Tamara Elizabeth DeMarco 
scored a technical decision over Deborah Anaí Lopez in a 10-rounder for the vacant WBO 112-pound title. A clash of heads in the last in the ninth round stopped Lopez from continuing. The scores there were 87-84 two times for DeMarco and 86-84 for Lopez. And in Los Angeles, California, uh, Somali is she Somalian born for living in, in the UK or she just uh, yes. is from Somalia descent? Yes. Born in Somalia. Born, born Somalian born for living in the now residing in Los Angeles. Ramla Ali, also a part time model, scored a second round knockout of Shelly Barnett in a scheduled eight rounder at 126 pounds. Barnett was down twice in the first round. David, I would ask you, if you what you saw, but I think it was. I think that, well, I, I actually, I don't think, I think I, I'm pretty sure that they actually went live with this fight as the doors were barely opening to the venue. Exactly. So not many yep. people got yeah. to see Ramla Ali, which is a shame because I think she's very, yeah. she's a very good fighter. She started a little late in her career, in her life as a boxer, but she's a fast learner. I think that she has a, I wouldn't say a hundred percent pro style, but she's getting there a lot quicker than other girls that had a pretty good amateur uh, career. Um, so I kind of like watching her fight, um, but yeah. obviously we didn't get a chance to see her because they didn't even broadcast this on the zone. Yeah. They broadcast uh, the other fights. Um, she uh, so trains out of Manny Robles, Jim. She's training yeah, at Manny she's, Robles? She's gym? getting good work. Yeah, she's, she's very good. good. She's, I mean, she's trained by Manny Yeah, she's trained by him. Oh, okay. Interesting. She's, uh, Interesting. So she's got hardcore sparring. She's telling us Good that work. they train like animals there. That she doesn't see that kind of training in England. Yeah, oh. she's working with uh, nationally ranked amateurs. I mean, she's working with Makai Krebs. She's got some good work going right now. That's good. And she she's a mm-hmm. super bantamweight, right? Or is she going to be competing at 126? I think at 122, she said. Okay. Well, the state, oh no, actually on Friday, March the 25th, we had a pretty good um, female bout card in Costa Rica, led off by Jocasta Valle, scoring a unanimous decision in the rematch against Sana Hazuki of Japan, defending her 105 IBF title. But, you know, it's expected for Jocasta Valle to fight in Costa Rica because not only is she from Costa Rica, well, actually, she was born in Nicaragua, but has lived in Costa Rica her nearly, uh, pretty much her whole entire life. But the fact that um, Adelaida Reeves from Southern California scored a, a TKO third-round knockout uh, in a six-rounder against Elise Jesus Flores at 118 pounds. Flores was down twice in the first round. And Maricela Cornejo scored a unanimous decision over Brazilian Simone Aparecida da Silva in a scheduled eight-rounder at 160 pounds. And the score and the scorecards there were eighty seventy two three times. So both Valle, I mean all three of them, Valle, Ruiz, and Cornejo, gained some action down in Costa Rica, and that was thanks and to also, Southern California. What's that? And also the sister of Naomi Valle. Valle she looks yeah. pretty good. She actually has some power. Actually, that was her pro debut, and they're keeping her pretty busy. Now I was gonna say that. Um, this was thanks to Southern California promoter Marv Nation, who is starting to do some inroads in Costa Rica. David, do you know if Naomi Valle, we know that Yocasta Valle has some kind of agreement with him. Now, I don't know exactly if he signed to her, to him, or to Marv Nation, 
but I know that she has some kind of agreement with Marv Nation. But do you know if her yeah. if her sister is also working with Marv Nation? Yeah, uh, from what I was told, I think they both both are. They both are working with Marv Nation. Okay. We may um, see her see them up uh, here. So I think that they I think that they're having another card soon, or if if or. At least Naomi Valle is fighting soon on a on a on a card pretty soon here in Costa Rica. What weight is she at? Is she fighting at? I think it was a flyweight. So she's a little bigger than her sister, Yocasta, because she's fighting yeah. at 105. Yeah. Maybe well, it was the same. Maybe it was 105. I don't remember exactly. But know, uh, she looks pretty strong, very strong. She's very aggressive. You know that's funny because. And, you know, I follow the Valle sisters, and, you know, Yocasta is pretty active on social media, whereas Naomi is not. But I had seen for, like, maybe a year, a year and a half ago, Naomi was pretty much training every day with her sister, and all of a sudden she she kind of fell off, and she wasn't really training, or at least not coming out in the videos of her sister training. And... um when I ran into Yocasta Valle, I don't know, about a year ago maybe, in Pico in Pico Rivera at the arena there, I asked her about yeah. her sister, and she said that she was taking a break, and then all of a sudden she not only has made her pro debut, but she's already fought two or three times. So I think that she came to a decision yeah. to uh, to go pro, which she has, and she's been pretty successful at it to see. So let's see how she does with her career. The next night... On Saturday, March 26th, in Buenos Aires, Argentina, Evelyn Bermudez, another sister, or another uh, one of a set of sisters, scored a fifth-round TKO over Deborah Renquifo to defend her IBF light flightweight title, but also capture the vacant WBO title um, in a scheduled 10-rounder. The time there was 136. So Evelyn Bermudez, the younger sister of Daniela Bermudez, who just had her baby because she was pregnant, um, scoring a TKO win and now unifying the 108-pound uh, um, division. The WBA champion is the one that we mentioned earlier, Jessica Neri Plata, who ended up beating um, Tutti Bob. I mean, she's, she's listed as the super champion. And Guadalupe Bautista of Mexico as the regular champion, but you know we know that who the real champion is is Jessica Neri Plata because she beat you know Tutti Bob. Plata's then pretty at, good. Who? Plata? She's pretty good. Plata, yeah, she's, she's improved. And yeah, then Yesenia Gomez is a WBC 108 pound champion who was supposed to fight Clint Cavell this weekend, this Saturday or last Saturday? This, this Thursday. Saturday. Oh, this Thursday, oh, yeah. yeah, she was supposed to fight Kim Clavel this Thursday, yeah. but she ended up Kim Clavel ended up giving, uh, being positive for COVID, so that fight has wow. been postponed until May. And then mm-hmm. uh, Evelyn Bermudez of Argentina is now the IBF and WBO champion. Mm-hmm. So uh, the light flightweight division looking pretty interesting. Um, then we have uh, what do we have here on in Leeds. The same day, but in Leeds, uh, United Kingdom, Argentinian Maria Cecilia Roman lost the unanimous decision to Ebony Bridges in a 10-rounder for the IBF 108-pound title. Scores there were 191 and 97-93 two times. David, what did you see from Ebony Bridges, who was in her second 
world title opportunity now becoming a world champion, defeating the Argentinian Cecilia Roman, uh, Maria Cecilia Roman with a unanimous decision. Well, I was pretty surprised by the, the fact that Bridges was so overwhelming the first half. And then uh, Roman came on the second half. But, I mean, that first half, Bridges was really on her game. And she um, she continues to improve. I mean, she's a strong girl, but she's got skill. She's got a lot of skill. And, uh, you know, it's, it's funny because most people kind of uh, uh, put her down as, you know, just some looker, but she can fight. A girl can fight. Yeah, you know, she's tough. Eight and one, three knockouts. I mean, we've seen her toughness when she fought short Shannon Courtney in her first world title opportunity, and her eye ended up getting swelled up, and she kept fighting and all that. But, you know, everybody's talking about unification. Every, she's talking about unification. And to unify at 118 pounds, it's going to be a tough, tough route because as oh, a yeah. WBO champion, we have Dina Torsland, who's undefeated, 17-0. and mm-hmm. We have who I think is the number one seed. Do you have it on speaker, Lupi? Yeah, I do. Yeah, because it's, it's, okay, it's giving us some echo. Um, on um, the I, who I think is the number one seed at 118 pounds is uh, is Julian Luna, um, who who we're gonna talk about in a little bit. And then at WBA, who you might think might be the easier of them all because of her lack of experience, but she's still undefeated at eight eight wins, zero losses, two draws against five knockouts. Is Jamie Mitchell. So, I mean, Lupi, if you let's put on your manager hat for Ebony Bridges, and if you were her manager, and you were going to unify, who would you go after? Between uh, Luna, Thorsland, and Mitchell. Mitchell, Mitchell. Luna, and Thorsland. Yeah, I would have her take Mitchell. I mean, Ebony doesn't. She comes out moving forward and just she's. It was just a great brawl. She'll just keep moving forward and going and going. I think, yeah, I think Mitchell would be the way to go. I mean, Roman started so slow in the first few rounds, you know. I think she was waiting for Ebony to get tired. Ebony never did. But I would go with Jimmy Mitchell. Now, Although that would make sense. Out, right? Who did? Thorsland. Everybody's calling it. Yeah, actually, Thorsland did call it, but... Oh, and actually, who somebody just well, uh, 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 somebody else uh, just called her out. But I'll, I'll get reminded right now when, when we look at the at the um, at the at the rest of the of the fights. But now that would make sense because you know I think that between Luna and and Dina, Jamie Mitchell will probably be her best bet. Maybe not a fifty fifty fight. I think Mitchell is a slight favorite there just because of her style. But out of well. David, who do you think would pay better, Mitchell or Luna? But I mean, it would have to be in the UK because Bridges is starting to become quite a name in the UK. So, who who would the UK pay more to see Bridges against? Well, uh, that's a good that's a good one, but I kind of like Thorsland the most, and I think because it's in Europe, she's a European champion. All the Danish uh, fans and the British fans, well, actually the the British Commonwealth fans, I think that's the biggest fight. Um, Mitchell, she's American, and but she does she's not really known here. Mm-hmm. She's not yeah, known here in her right. own country. 
Excuse me? David, you're right that it's the biggest fight, but would Ebony's team take that fight? True. Very true. I mean, it all depends. It all depends on what. I mean, she's eight and one. You could have her fight, you know, super flyweights, bringing them up to 118, and just kind of have them beat her and beat them and beat them and just kind of start building her and building her and building her because she's pretty popular in the UK. And yeah. she just starts becoming oh, yeah. even more popular and more popular and more popular. The only thing is that she's not that young. So you got to keep her, you got to kind of keep her uh, busy or else it's just going to. Mm-hmm. You know, but I mean, it's it's kind of exciting. I mean, I wouldn't mind seeing any of those fights. You know, any of mixed yeah. match between those four champs, I think it would be pretty exciting. But the only thing that's against that is that you know, there's really no coercion, like like you know, Luna is being is in Mexico and she's being promoted by. I mean, I don't even know in. I mean, I'm supposed to know, but quite frankly, I don't even know who promotes her because they're not really doing a good job with her. Mitchell has fought on the zone. But like David says, you know, she's not really well known, and I mean, Daddy Hearn is like, what? I mean, what is he gonna care, right? Even and with Dana, Eddie, like, give it to Shannon Courtney. Yeah, I think that I think I think that re, I think if anything, that rematch is what probably makes the back the most sense as far as money wise and popularity wise, and yeah. we're gonna see if Bridges falls under that age old, you know, theory. That once you become a world champion, you actually get a little bit better, and she could beat Courtney, who actually handed her her only loss. So, mm-hmm. you know, that would be interesting to see. Um, so then on Saturday, April 2nd, in Chihuahua, Mexico, Jamiles Mercado scored a unanimous decision over uh, late sub Isis Vargas in a 10-rounder at 122 pounds. Uh, for the WBC title, and the same night in Puebla, Mexico, Julian Luna, who we just spoke, talking about, scored a unanimous decision over Mayeli Flores to defend her WBC 118-pounder scores there were 99-89 and 95-92 two times, and actually it was a really, really good fight. If you haven't been able to watch it, look for it on uh, on YouTube, because that was like a, that could be candidate a female fight of the year, quite honestly. Uh, Julian oh, okay. Luna against Mayeli Flores. And in Newcastle, uh, UK, United Kingdom, Savannah Marshall scored a maybe the knockout of the year so far in female fights uh, over Femke Hernandez. Just a, a right on the button left hook that put Hermans to sleep to defend her WBO mm-hmm. middleweight title. The time where it was basically like practically right when the bell hit or like a second before. So with that, Marshall pretty much secures the fight that everybody has been waiting for against uh, Clarissa Shields for later this year, David. Um, have they actually said a date or mentioned when that would happen? Uh, I haven't heard any date. Um, I'm thinking it's going to be sometime in June, maybe July. Um, I, did, I did hear them mention maybe. That's a little too soon, especially with everything going on. You kind of don't want to get... A lost in the uh, tidal wave of Canelo and all these other big fights that are happening. So I, mm-hmm. I think it's going to be June or later. There you go. So hopefully it does happen. I mean, I don't really think it's bigger than Katie Taylor against Amanda Serrano, but if, I mean, it's number two. Would you agree with that, uh, Lupe? Yeah, I'll agree with that. Uh, one is world known, and then this one is really 
uh, I mean, Marshall and Clarissa, it's more, um, I think all of us who really know what's happening really care about it. And a lot of people care about it just for Clarissa, but I don't think they really understand, like, you know, part-time boxing fans, they won't really understand the significance of it. And also as well, I mean, um, you know, Marshall and and Clarissa have been very, very good at promoting it, you know, with the whole back and forth and Clarissa going over there and gaining her face and Savannah being able to talk the trash that, is expected and Clarissa doing the same whereas Taylor and Serrano have been very very respectful of each other and and that's just that fight is just it is what it is just on the strength of it and, and not so much with you know the hoopla around it so so that kind of says something about that as well on Saturday April 9th in Chile Daniela Ansejo uh, scored a draw with Maribel Ramirez in a 10 rounder defending her WBA 115 pound title actually who defended that uh, w- oh no, Maribel Ramirez ended up defending that title. She continues to be the champion. Scores there were 96-94 for Ramirez and 95-95 two times. In Denmark, Dina Torsland scored a unanimous decision over New Yorkis Carreno to defend her WBO 118-pound title, which we were just speaking about. Scores there were 190 and 99-91 two times. And in Costa Mesa, California, Michaela Mayer scored a lopsided unanimous decision over veteran, former IBF 126-pound title Jennifer Hahn in a 10-rounder at 130 pounds. Michaela Mayer defending her IBF and WBO titles. Scores there were 192 times in 97-93. Kind of what we expected. Um, At least I did. Mayer kind of like just really dominating. But Jennifer Hahn, I mean, you could see you know, how good she was at starting time. I mean, she's almost 40. She's like 38 years old. She hadn't fought. She fought like once in the last two years. She just had a baby not too long ago. But you could see little spurts here and there of how good she was. But, you know, some against a, a much more uh, active and obviously world champion and mayor, um, you know, she was just a little bit overwhelmed, David. Yeah, I mean, mayor's at her peak. I mean, she's pretty much on all cylinders right now. And Jennifer Hahn, instead of running on eight cylinders, she's on six. And that's the difference right there. I mean, she's good, but not good enough to win the rounds against uh, Michaela. She is Yeah, what tough. did you think, Lupi? I, I mean, Mayor gave it everything. She gave us everything. You know, everything but the knockout. And it was beautiful work by her and, and Hahn. I mean, she, you're right. You could see, and you could see why the fight was made because of, you know, Hans Pat. It, it, she just showed how tough she is and how durable she is. He took a beating and never went down. Now, you know, Jennifer Hunt, yeah, she took a beating and, never, and didn't go down. Uh, Mayor, you know, she looked great against her. Um, uh, actually, her sister fights Stephanie Hahn, which I, I knew she had a sister. I didn't really remember her name. It looks like she's fighting... Um, the next couple of weeks in Texas. Do you know anything about her, uh, Lupi? Jennifer Hahn's sister? Yeah, um, a little bit. I mean, she does fight at the end of this month. Um, not sure of a few days ago. She didn't know the opponent, and I sure and I still don't know who the opponent is. Um, she has. I mean, her amateur background. I don't think it's too much. Um, and that's all. I mean, she's just really new to me in the last few years. So just getting to know her and her style. 
She had another sister, too. What was it, they, Crystal? Oh, really? Because I know they had yeah. a brother named A.B. Well, they had a Crystal. Uh, Crystal Han fought. She's younger. She's probably about 32. She never fought pro, though. She just fought amateurs. Crystal Han. Uh, well, the same night in San Antonio, Texas, Marlene Esparza scored a unanimous decision over Naoko Fuyoka to unify her WBC title to the WBA of Fuyoka. Scores there 192 times in 97-93. Esparza did win the fight, you know, but 192 times. Yeah. Unbelievable, unbelievable. I mean, that's just a slap in the face to Fuyoka, who gave a good fight. She did get beaten, mm-hmm. but no way was it 190. I think the 97-93 is fair, you know, um, yeah. but 192 times. What's that? I had it closer at 96-94 for Marlon. But uh, uh, they were supposed to have neutral judges, and they ended up having two judges from Texas and one yeah. from Nevada which was, uh, they were supposed to actually come from other countries, and they didn't do that. But, you know, I understand because it was a last-minute uh, change. They were supposed to have it in L.A. And then uh, Pujioka had problems with her visa, and she barely made it uh, with, within 24 hours of having to make it. She made it. So I can understand why they just got the, the most uh, convenient judges they could. But it, it didn't work out for Naoko Fujioka, but she did appreciate the fans' uh, response. She said she got a lot of fan response uh, from people that had, didn't know her before and, claim, you know, said that she did very, very well. Now, has she indicated, I mean, she indicated before the fight that if she lost, she would consider retiring. She's about, is she, how old is she now? Is she like in her 46. 40s, right? Yeah, 46. Yes. She would she would well, consider retirement. What do you know about that? Well, she's been told by Golden Boy that they are going to give her another fight, that they were kind of impressed with her performance against Marlon because everybody was picking Marlon to, to sweep her. And from her performance against Marlon, they saw that they she gave her a battle and it wasn't that easy. And uh, they want to match her uh, again, bring her back. So because of that, she's not going to retire. Well, I hope that it happens soon because, you know, I mean, I would hate for her to have to wait six months to, you know, I would hate for it to take six months for her to get another fight. And then she might be even 47 years old. I mean, not that it would actually matter that much because she looks so much in shape and she takes care of herself oh, yeah. so well. But still, I mean. She's a super athlete. You know, so hopefully yeah, so she's a super athlete. Yeah. She is. She's quite the specimen. I mean, it wasn't. It wasn't supposed to be easy for Marlene. I mean, it wasn't. It really wasn't. But Marlene fought for her life. You know, Nyoko made her not look so good, while Nyoko looked really good. And then, like you said, she walked out of there the people's champ, because I was watching on Design and people they were stopping her and taking pictures. It was great. Great. So happy. Yeah, she for really appreciated it. She told me so, and she told her team. Uh, that she was really surprised by the response she got from the Texas crowd and, you know, mm-hmm. people on social media. Well, hopefully we get yeah. to see her soon, and we'll see what is next for Marlene Esparza. Marlene Esparza has mentioned that she – actually, she just it was just a story out right now on, so, on, on a website where she mentioned that she wants to unify first 
actually was kind of funny, you know, what she said. She said she wants to unify first at flyweight, and then, you know, the rematch against Ines Estrada will be the little tiny cherry on top, the tiny 108-pound <laughs> cherry on top. That's what she said, you know, kind of like making fun of Esparza, who is, you know, a little bit smaller than her. Mm-hmm. At flyweight, we have Marlene Esparza as a WBA and WBC world champion. Um, the IBF is Argentina, Joanna Paola Judica, who's undefeated with 17 wins, zero losses, three draws, and one no contest, zero knockouts. So that would be a hell of a boring fight between Esparza and her because nobody punches <laughs> worth a damn. And then we have, and and then we, and then if she went after the WBO, it's the uh, newly crowned Tamara De Marco who's 10 and four, also zero knockouts. So between all four of the, all those three champions. Between all three champions, Esparza, Judica, and DeMarco, there's one knockout between all of them. Who? Oh, yeah, I was. Esparza I, I was told. I was told by by uh, Anai Lopez that there's going to be a rematch between her uh, because she lost the title oh. at flyweight with her DeMarco, uh, and that there is a possibility she could, you know, win that rematch, and uh, we'll see. We'll see what happens. No. Does DeMarco, uh, does DeMarco have any knockouts? I mean, does no, I Lopez, so. Lopez, Lopez? No, I don't think she. I, no, I think she has one knockout. But uh, she, yeah, to be the same thing, I guess. But she's a bigger draw. Now we go to when? After we go to Saturday, April the 16th in Manchester, United Kingdom, Alicia Baumgartner scored a unanimous decision over veteran and late sub Edith Soledad Matisse in a 10-rounder to defend her WBC 130-pound title. For the first time, Matisse, being a late sub, failed to make weight, and so the titles were only available, well, the title was only available for Baumgartner. They fought for the IBO, but I don't consider the IBO a world title. Scores there were 190 times, 193 times, and, um, you know, kind of what happened actually kind of led up to this is that what was her name, Lupi, the one that they offered her the fight? She ended up uh, supposedly retiring on social media. Oh, the French girl, um, Elham, Michaelis, Michaelid. Yeah, she, she ended up that. there. She mentioned in her social media that they had offered her this same fight about a week before the fight, maybe a week and a half before the fight and because of that where she was ranked she was ranked the number one mandatory challenger and because of that she decided to pursue her new passion which is teaching and to retire from boxing because just the level of disrespect that the boxing world was showing her and offering her the world title a week before the fight was just ridiculous but Edith Matisse who is the sister of Former world champion Lucas Matisse um, ended up taking the fight. She went there, you know, went all 10 rounds, uh, something that Terry Harper was not able to do, and, you know, came home and probably made a little bit of money. So there you have it. And lastly, Wednesday, April 20th, today, earlier in Australia, Cherneka Johnson scored a split decision over. Mexican Melissa Esquivel in a 10-rounder to capture the vacant IBF 122-pound title. So there, I think, uh, did they already put them on here? Nope. They haven't even. Hey, uh, up. 
Go ahead. That's what what's strange is that both of them lost their last fight. But they're fighting for the title. Yeah. Johnson and Melissa Esquivel. Yeah, both fighters lost their last fight. Wow, that's, uh, that's Johnson lost to Shannon uh, O'Connell. O'Connell. Mm-hmm. And uh, and then uh, Melissa lost to uh, who is it? Erica Cruz. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, Erica Cruz. Cruz. Yeah. You know that's interesting because the IBF tends to try to be a little bit better, but um, yeah. with that with that kind of thing, but. Uh, but um, you know, it is what it is. I mean, that's that's boxing. Um, so super bantamweight champion WBA Mayerlin Rivas, WBC Jamiles Mercado, and now the new IBF champion Australia's Cherneka Johnson and the WBOS Segolin Lefebvre of France. Uh, Lefebvre is 15 and 0 with one knockout. Jamiles Mercado is 16 and 2 with five knockouts, and Mayerlin Rivas seems to be the puncher with 16 wins, four losses, two draws, and 10 knockouts. But I'm sure that if we deep dive into that record, being from Venezuela, she's probably knocked out 10 pro debuters out of those 16 wins. So, <laughs> so there we have the fight review. And actually, I do have one note on fight chatter, which I find very, very interesting. But I was just, um, when we started speaking about Sinesa Estrada, I remembered an interesting uh a news story, which hasn't really become news, but it's kind of floating out there. We haven't seen Sinesa Strata fight in, uh, you know, quite a while, about six months, I would believe, if not a little bit less, a little bit more. And on her social media, when asked why she had not fought, she mentioned, you know, ask my promoter, Golden Boy Promotions. And then at this, and then she made another statement where she stated, um, when I get paid what I deserve. So there's a probably a little mm-hmm. bit of trouble in paradise where Tines Estrada, outside of probably, and I might be wrong, but just because we obviously nobody comes and calls us and tells us what everybody's getting paid, but outside of Clarissa Shields and Amanda Serrano, and I'm trying to think of who else, but and Melissa Mac, and Melissa Mayer, I mean I'm sorry, Melissa Mac, uh, uh, Michaela Mayer. Outside of those three that I just mentioned, Sinez Estrada might be the best American female fighter that the paid the be, the the best out of outside of those three. I believe that Clarissa gets paid more. I believe that Amanda gets paid more. I believe that Mayer gets paid more. But other than those three, I think that Sinez is probably the best paid. David, do you agree? Disagree? Who do you think gets paid even more? Uh, no, those those three are you're correct. You're correct about that. Maybe Marlin's up there too. Um, she gets paid pretty well, and um, but uh, I think they're negotiating right now and they're waiting to see that final contract. It may happen. They haven't really decided. I mean, she's been fighting basically on a gentleman's agreement. Mm, and um, I thought she hadn't resigned. I thought she had resigned already. Uh, I guess not. I guess she hasn't really actually signed. Um, that well to a dollar amount, which is the the real thing, and uh, so she's been fighting like in an agreement, but we'll see what happens. Uh, it should be coming soon. Well, now think about this, Lupi. It doesn't really help Golden Boy's case because obviously, um, you know, it's kind of been. I mean, Amanda Serrano has been stating on her social media that she's making, um, 
a million dollars at or close to it. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, she mm-hmm. is. Right, yeah. Larissa Shields had mentioned that she's getting paid close to half a million dollars, if not more. Right, um, mm-hmm. Mayor just signed, just re-signed with Top Rank, and it's it's rumored that she's getting close to seven figures, if not a little bit more. Right, so. Right. You know, Estrada's right there saying, hey, I fight, I, I mean, I get you ratings on the zone. I don't know how good they are. You know, people come and see me fight. I've, I've won all these world titles. I'm undefeated. You know, I'm pretty much, I beat your other girl who's Marlene Esparza. You know, you got to get close to paying me what these other women are getting paid because I'm right there with them. I'm on the top 10 pound for pound list, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. But the thing is, David and Lupi, and Lupe, you can answer first. If she doesn't sign with Golden Boy, who is she going to go with? I mean, maybe Matchroom Boxing grabs her, but Eddie Hearn, for Eddie Hearn to sign a fighter, what we've seen is that he has other fighters in that weight class that he can make fights with and that makes sense for him. You know, Top Rank hasn't signed anybody. They had Kim Clavel fight uh, during the bubble, and they had. Um, mm-hmm. Who else did they have fight on the bubble besides Mayer and Clint Khalil? They had one more, didn't they? Well, they just had a, what's her name? Yeah. Uh, Michaela's friend. <laughs> and they've had uh, that uh, Pink Tyson, which she wasn't, I mean, she's been on the card, but she wasn't really tied in. So they're not signing any other women, you know? And when he signs, even if he brings you on, his girls always come first. Uh, her? So she wouldn't be one of his girls. Now yeah, that's a good question. Who would sign? No, but you know who would be a player? Uh, Jake Paul. Mm. Jake Paul player. could be a player. He could be a player uh, uh, for Estrada because, you know, Jake Paul is Jake Paul because he knows how to, um, you know, work social media. And, you know, Siniestra is pretty good at social media. I mean, she has a pretty good following there. She knows how, mm-hmm. she knows how to use it. She's you know she's Mexican American, doesn't speak Spanish, but Mexican American and and very eloquent um, with English. You know, so she knows how to talk. She's she's undefeated. She's a world champ. She's not she's not afraid to trash talk a little bit. So I mean, of all the ones that I mentioned, the only one that I would think would be a player if she would not sign with Golden Boy is Jake Paul, David. Um, yeah, that's uh, it's interesting, but my uh, sources tell me that all the promoters are interested in her. Mm-hmm. Wow, I've heard well. from all of them that they're all interested in her, that they're just waiting because they can't really do anything, they can't talk to her. There's a there's a period no, can't after talk to the her. contract, game. she's yeah. done everything, all, she's the whole package. Yeah, well, all my sources true. tell me that. They are all interested. They consider her the most exciting fighter in boxing. Mm, you know, my husband doesn't, you know, he'll watch Michaela fight. He, he's just not into boxing. But that, uh, Sinise was commentating the last fight. And I said, hey, this is her that sponsors. This is Sinise. Stop what he was doing, came, sat down, and was just listening to her talk. Wow. You know, you I mean, she's just got, she's got it. Mm. But that yeah. Jake Paul is interesting. Because she already seen what he can do. Yeah. We're all seeing what he's doing. Yeah. And he's starting to sign fighters. I mean, he only has two besides him. He just signed that southern uh, that 
Southern California kid, uh, Ashton Sylvie, seven and zero. He's eighteen years old, seven knockouts, but I think he's fought most of his fights in Mexico. He just—it was announced earlier this week that he signed to to uh, most valuable promotions, which is Jake Paul's promotional company. So, yeah. I mean, I don't know how how invested he is in signing more fighters, but I mean, if he has an opportunity to sit down with Sinestro Estrada, like you mentioned, David, you know, a lot of a lot of people in the world in the boxing world see her as the most exciting female fighter out there. Um, I don't I don't think she is, uh, quite honestly. I mean, based on what. You know, based on that knockout of that lady in seven seconds, I mean, yeah, it went viral and everything, and it looks good on <laughs> on ESPN's uh, nightly show. But for the people that know, they know that anybody could have scored that knockout against that lady. You know, quite honestly, any any professional fighter could have scored that knockout on that lady that night. I don't think know? so. I don't think so. Do you think that I, she? I think she, so. I think what she did against the Guatemalan girl proved it again. I mean, that girl was undefeated. Uh, she fought some, you know, reasonably uh, good fighters, and then Sinisa just tore her apart. Mm, I, I mean, okay, okay. So let me let me rephrase, let me rephrase my my statement. <laughs> any any 108 pound, 105 or 18 pounder in the top 15, ranked in the top 15, would have knocked that lady out and would have beaten uh, the the other Guatemalan. Because if you could see her style. She had no, she had no uh, reason to be in the ring with um, with Sinis Estrada, and anybody in the top yeah. fifteen would have would have beat her, maybe not as quickly, but you would have been able to see the difference. You know, I I think I mm-hmm. think that yeah. that we could see, you know, how much of a talent mismatch and skill wise mismatch. No, no shame on Sinis, not not pointing fingers at Sinis and not blaming her because, you know. She had, she, you know, the lady had a, a great record and, 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 you know, was she undefeated? The one from Guatemala? Yeah. She was. Yeah. 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 You know, she had done all her fights in Mexico. You know, I remember I interviewed her. She, you know, she said she had a hundred amateurs and quite frankly, I didn't see a hundred amateurs in that style, you know? So, but, you know, but I'm not going to lie. I mean, Sinez Estrada is one of the top 10 pound for pound fighters, female fighters out there. I'm not going to say she's not, but I don't really consider her the most exciting uh, female fighter who, out there. But I can who see you, where everybody Who, who would you I consider, consider above her? I mean, as, as far as excitement, I, I kind of, I would kind of consider Amanda Serrano over Sinesa, to, quite, to be okay. frank. You know? Yeah, that's a good one. You know? But, uh, a very good one. And I wouldn't say, I mean, do I think Amanda Serrano is number one? No, but is she... Does she excite me? Do I feel, am I on the edge of my seat when I watch Amanda Serrano because I think she's going to knock somebody out and somebody that may, that probably is not that easy to knock out? Yeah, I, I, I see that with Amanda Serrano, but I don't I don't see that with, with Sinesa. But you can't deny the fact that she scored some pretty exciting knockouts and all that. But, you know, mm-hmm. to the casual fan, is like, oh, man, because they expect if they're going to put two people, two women in the ring in this case, they expect to be for them to be, you know, a casual fan or maybe somebody that doesn't watch that much boxing, they expect, well, they're in the ring together. I, I expect them to be of equal skill and equal experience, but we all know that that's not the case. So when she scores well, a knockout mm-hmm. against a woman well, like that, you know. Well, in my case, it's it's when you say exciting, I don't just mean knockouts. I mean, 
she's going for the knockout. She's always, you know, pushing. She's not because they only get two minutes most of the time. Mm-hmm. She's she's pushing with a skillful intent, not just brawling. She's actually skillful what she does, and and that's that's what I mean by exciting when I see someone like that. And there's there's others too. There's others like that. Like you said, Amanda Serrano, she's a perfect example mm-hmm. too. I think I think Mayer's pretty exciting too. I mean, it's just yeah. that. But yeah, but I mean, the exciting part is like that. And the, and the one thing that Sinesia does have maybe is that like when you're watching Mayer, you know, and you kind of see how she's doing, you kind of you can kind of tell that she's not gonna get get the knockout. Whereas with whereas with Sinesia you could kind of see that she's going for the knockout and it's either either uh, it's either going to she's going to get her or she's not but yeah. i go back to my original statement if you know what you're watching you know with against the guatemala lady like i knew she was going to knock her out it was just a matter of, of when because there was no way that lady was going to go 10 rounds with Cines Estrada, you know yeah. so but you know i'm probably biased in a certain sense because i kind of see i kind of know what i'm seeing and stuff so we'll go with that but yeah. So, but you know, when she go ahead. Out, if I can just add, when she knocked out the one lady, um, not the Guatemala, but the one who went out real quick, Sunisa did her a favor. Like, she just went in there True. and did it. And I thought True. that was great of Sunisa to just put her out of her misery. Instead yeah. of taking, you know, True. like giving her brain damage. Just, that was yeah, it. No, you're right. And I'm, pre- I'm sure that lady That's hasn't fought again. I mean, I haven't even checked her what her box rick, but I'm sure she hasn't fought yet. I wonder but, if her marriage lasted because her husband was her manager. No, but I think they were divorced already or something like that. But I think um, more interesting, I think more interesting than the than the Sinesa Estrada story is uh, this story where at the post-fight press conference after her first defense against late sub Edith Matisse, WBC super featherweight world champion Alicia Baumgartner declared that in the fight versus unified champ Michaela Mayer, she would be the A-side. And that Mayer needs her much more than she needs her. Mayer, in an interview in England, because she was, I think she was there the same weekend, commenting on another fight card by Boxer, which is like a local, it's, an, it's a promoter in the UK, but they, they televise the fights. She was told of these comments by Baumgartner, and she responded, well, she was kind of like, I saw the video, I don't know if you guys seen the video, but she's like dumbfounded. Like, she can't even find the words to even try to, like, to kind of even make sense of what Baumgartner is saying. And Mayer responds <laughs> with like, well, I have three belts, which I don't, I don't see the, I don't, I myself, this is just me talking, Felipe Leon, and my views do not express the views of my partner, David Avila <laughs> or Lupe Gutierrez. <laughs> but I don't consider the Ring Magazine title a title, okay? If the Ring Magazine wasn't owned by a promoter, then, you know, I would, or maybe I would even kind of give it more of a, of, 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 a, of a importance. But the fact that the Ring magazine is owned by a promoter, then to me, you know, here's a trophy, whatever. So she, but she does have two belts, which is uh, WBC, I'm, I'm sorry, the WBO and the IBF. And then she mentions that Bob Gardner is fighting on, on the undercard of uh, Matchroom Boxing Cards while she's headlining on ESPN. Uh, Mayor responds that Baumgartner has only one credible win if you compare the resumes, and that Mayor's on the top ten pound for pound list, whereas Baumgartner is not. So, Lupi, who do you agree with, and why do you agree with Mayor 
why is it mayor and why do you think Baumgartner is um, using this line of uh, thinking? I think, well, why she's using that line of thinking, true, mayor does have two belts, um, but Baumgartner has the coveted WBC belt, and that's Alicia's uh, thinking. I mean, as to whether she's fighting on Tom Frack and Alicia's fighting deep on, deep on design cards. I mean, it doesn't matter. They're fighting. I mean, and if it did matter, uh, Mayor, will Mayor get more eyeballs on ESPN because it's on TV or the, than design? Maybe. Um, Mayor Bumgarner, true, she has one credible, one credible and incredible win. I mean, when she knocked Terry Harper out on her feet, she lost to Christina Lenadartu and Britton Hart in 2017. Um, and, yes, Michaela does need her because she wants to take her belt. You know, Mayor, hmm. she's on everybody's top ten list and steadily rising. She was um, WBC's 2019 Prospect of the Year. I mean, and adding, I believe Michaela, when she says that Alicia's turned her down on a couple of those fights, so... I don't know why all the trash talks regarding that. But do you agree with Baumgartner saying? I mean, Mayor needs Baumgartner because if she wants the the, the belt, okay, granted. That's but exactly it. You, WBC belt, she does need her. But Baumgartner, but, but Baumgartner is stating, but Baumgartner is stating that she, that Mayor needs her more than she needs Mayor. Do you agree with that? No, because Mayor is going to get that fight regardless. The only reason Mayor needs her is because she has the WBC belt. But mm. that fight's going to have to be made. Alicia cannot sit on her belt. She's going to have to fight her. So does Michaela need her only for the fight? But she's going to get that fight. So, no. And Michaela's the A-side, definitely. Now, David, how how much percentage do you give it if Baumgartner fights Choi and beats her? How much of a chance percentage wise do you give for Baumgartner to fight Mayer after she beats Choi? Uh I really don't know. You know, I don't know. Um Baum, uh, McKenna's really on top of her game. And I see there's a lot of room for improvement for Baumgartner. But the one thing that uh, Alicia Baumgartner has, she's got that puncher's chance, you know. She's got that in her back pocket. So you never know. You can't really count her out. Even though I think Michaela's skill-wise is uh, above her, I think uh, Baumgartner, she's not that far under, but she has that punch. And that gives her that chance of upsetting Michaela. But, uh, you know, the thing is, Mayer can move up. If uh, she can't, she doesn't want to wait for Baumgartner, then she just fights the the winner of uh, Amanda Cady. And it's right there. She's got the bigger, she got the bigger fight, bigger appeal. Now, now you're mentioning Baumgartner's punching power. I mean, she has knockouts, but I mean, the only person that she has knocked out at a world-class level is Terry Harper. But, you know, she did go 10 rounds with 
a late sub in Edis Matisse. Now, we're going to give her the benefit of the doubt, and then Matisse didn't make weight, and that's why she wasn't able to knock her out. But don't you think for us to really believe that Bob Gardner is a knockout artist is that she would have knocked out Matisse, who was like in her 40s and coming in with like a week's notice? Yeah. No, because Matisse had never been knocked out. So she had never been knocked out. She's not going to get knocked out by even Bob Gardner. I mean, if she'd been knocked out before, yes, but she'd never been knocked out. She won't ever get knocked out unless she's maybe 50. Hmm. Well, good point. Now, do you think it's a, can I ask you guys, do you think it's a possibility that um, Alicia was going for rounds instead of a knockout? Uh, I think so. I think uh, she was, I mean, because Batista's a tough fighter. I think she fought very conservatively. To me, Baumgartner, she mm-hmm. hardly ever went to the body because when yeah. you go to the body, you're basically leaving yourself open, and she never did that. So I think she's very yeah. hesitant. Now, what I think is kind of doing a disservice to Mayer is that she keeps in interviews that Garner doesn't doesn't want to fight her, or that if she doesn't try to make that fight by the end of 2022, that she's more than willing to go up to lightweight and challenge the winner of Taylor and Serrano. Whereas, if I was That's part of Team Garner, Team Bomb Garner, I would be like, well, let's just wait for that. Let's wait for Mayer to go up to 135. He leaves those titles vacant, and then we fight for those, and we unify. And now we're the unified champ at 130. She goes out and hmm. either wins or, or loses at 135. And if she wins, then when we step up to the negotiating table at 135, it kind of gives us more of, of, a, of leverage because now we're negotiating as a unified champ at 130, you know? So for me, True. for Mayor to keep saying that, and saying that if Baumgartner doesn't fight her at 130, then Baumgartner would say, well, I'll just wait. If, she, if we don't fight and then she goes up, she has to, if she wins, she either has to decide where she's going to stay at, 130 or 135. And more than likely, she's going to stay at 135. And then Baumgartner could go after those other two titles um, without Mayer. And then maybe try to go get more money at 135, which she has fought at 135. So I think if I was mayor, I wouldn't be mentioning going up to 135 anymore. I'll be just be pushing and pushing and pushing for the 130 title. So that's just me. Mm-hmm. But uh, but a very interesting takes um, from Baumgartner and from Lupe and David uh, regarding this. And let's see what happens. You know, I mean, I think there's a lot to be said to what happens on April 30th, and that's what we're going to talking about in our upcoming calendar. Our next show, actually, another uh, quick note. Our shows are not going to be on Wednesdays and not Thursdays, uh, just because of scheduling with uh, some some shows that are happening, some fights that are happening, fight cards that are happening on Thursdays now. So we moved our shows to Wednesdays, every other Wednesday with our next show uh, scheduled for May 4th. So our upcoming calendar, there isn't that many fights like what we just went over in the review, but uh, we have Thursday, April 21st in Denmark, Sarah Mahfoud, Goes against Nina Menke in a 10-rounder for the IBF featherweight title. And on Saturday, April 30th, that's what we're all waiting for, the big fight. Probably, whoosh, I mean, 
135 pounds, unification, undisputed. I mean, just on paper, David, I mean, not popularity, because you might say, oh, well, Christy Martin against um, Mia St. John was probably more popular because both, I mean, bigger fight to a certain extent because both of them were more popular. They were on Sports Illustrated. They were on Playboy, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Then you could say Layla Ali against Christy Martin because obviously Christy Martin, Sports Illustrated and all that, and Layla Ali, the son of the greatest of all time, Mr. Muhammad Ali, rest in peace. Um, but other than those two, I mean, just on paper and what this fight can mean and who you're pitting against, which is an undefe- under, under, undefeated gold medalist at the Olympics, and then a once-beaten Amanda Serrano with all those titles, which for me, my this is Felipe Leon speaking again, and my views do not ex- <laughs> express the views of my partners. <laughs> that whole title, that 115, 118, that to me don't mean anything. Because to me, I mean, not taking away from Amanda Serrano, great fighter, but that was more of a, of a display of how to make weight than beating fighters. Because not only most of those titles were vacant, she never defended those mm-hmm. titles, and they were all awarded by the WBO from Puerto Rico. And ding, 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 ding. Where's Amanda Serrano from? Puerto Rico. So, <laughs> so, but I'm, that's not taken away with how great of a fighter she is. All right, but for me, for her to, for for me to believe that, oh, she she's on par with Miguel Cotto as far as winning titles and all that. No, my my opinion only. Right. So, I mean, I I can't think of a bigger fight than than this. David, as far as like what it means, what's on what's on the line, who's fighting, Katie Taylor, Amanda Serrano, April thirtieth, New York, pay per view, one hundred thirty five pounds. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's just leaps and bounds above any other fight that's ever been uh, uh, between two great women fighters. Uh, this is it. This is the Muhammad Ali versus Joe Frazier at Madison Square Garden the first time. Um, yeah. It's that big. It's, it's huge. Now, Lupe, there's another fight that, I mean, you can't compare it, but you know, if we're gonna, if we could kind of just put it side to side, just for, to make my point, Floyd Mayweather Jr. against Manny Pacquiao. You know, nothing. You know, the style wise and and nothing like that. And obviously, not as big because Floyd Mayweather is Floyd Mayweather and Manny Pacquiao is Manny Pacquiao. Yeah. But I mean, on mm-hmm. the same vein. But what one thing about that Floyd Mayweather fight against Manny Pacquiao is that we were all waiting for it. We all wanted it. We've been asking for it and asking for it. And then at the end of the day, it was a dud inside the ring. It wasn't that exciting. Okay. <laughs> Who was surprised? Yeah. I wasn't. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, people were expecting, I mean, they were maybe expecting for Manny Pacquiao to like, to kind of make it exciting. But then, you know, he had a shoulder injury, whatever, whatever you, you might say. You know, what are the odds? What are the chances? Uh, Loopy for you and, be, and try to be objective that this turns out to be that a dud as dead. well inside the ring. Well, you know, when you were talking about dud, I felt like that was Amanda Serrano versus um, Heather Hardy. I thought it was going to be Brooklyn versus Brooklyn. This and that. I was like, totally like, wow, what a dud. But this, I mean, they haven't said anything on their social media. They don't talk crap like the rest of them. But if you go to Katie Taylor posted um, her hit and knit, Go to her social media, and that's all the talking you need. You know, it's going to be a good fight. Just on stuff like that alone, it's like I could see Katie is like, she, you know, never heard a grunt that way. You got to check it out. No dust. No dust. Style-wise, style wise, David, can this be a dud inside the ring? 
Uh, I think so. I think it could be. Wow. Uh, the only reason I, I say that is because it's only two minutes. And uh-huh. one thing that Katie can do is she can run around. We haven't seen that lately. But at the beginning of her career, she used to run around and just throw jabs and move to the left, move to the right, and she wouldn't get touched. It wasn't until she started getting the responses, well, you know, why don't you fight, you know, instead of run? And once she stood her ground, she's been doing that lately. But against Amanda, will she stay her ground? Will she stand right in front of uh, Amanda and slug it out? I don't think so. I think she knows her best way to move side to side and give angles against uh, Amanda. And Amanda's going to have to try and attack the body and going to have to cut off the ring. And and because it's only two minutes, Katie can do it for 10 rounds. If it was three wow. minutes, that would be a whole different story. Are you a Raider fan, David? Just win, baby. Just win. <laughs> <laughs> True. You know, big, Katie, you can, she can do what you just said, and she could... She could she could stink the place out, right? But at the end of the day, yep. she's gonna have all those belts, and she's gonna have a win over Amanda Serrano, and Ooh. a good payday. So, you know, I agree oh. with you. It could happen, and that would be that would be the catalyst for Amanda Serrano to make it into a fight, not a boxing match, a fight. Cut off the ring, and 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 brawl it out, and force Katie Taylor to brawl it out, which we've seen. Somebody yeah. able to do Delphine Pursun twice, right? Mm-hmm. But to yep. me, Delphine Pursun is more of a brawler. She's more – well, she's actually not more willing. She, that's all she knows how to do. Whereas Amanda Serrano, will Jordan Maldonado, if he sees that trying to outbox Katie Taylor doesn't work, is Maldonado gonna gonna going to ask of Serrano to go out there and brawl it out, you know? That's one question. Second question is Maldonado gonna go back to his his uh, embarrassing antics that he did against Yamiles Mercado, you know, and and start you know um, kind of berating Katie Taylor from across the ring and trying to get her to fight or get in her head or whatever the case may be, and being that the fight is in New York, where they're from, is the commission going to, like, make a point of doing something of that? That's going to be interesting as well, you know? Mm -hmm. Good point. This fight is going to be crazy. This fight is so so exciting. I wish I would be there, but I thought I had some plans before the same week, and and maybe I don't, but now it's too late. But, but, I mean, I'm I'm sure going to enjoy it on Saturday, April the 30th, on pay-per-view, Showtime pay-per-view, right? Uh, no, it's on the zone. Oh no, it's not on the zone. Is it on the zone? Yeah, it's on the zone. Oh shit! Yeah, it's yeah, not even it's pay-per-view. Yeah. Oh, it's not even pay-per-view. Oh, it's still there. What's that? It's the zone. Yeah, I thought it was pay-per-view. Oh well, it should be pay-per-view. Well, on the same card, Franchon Cruz Desern goes on against Elene Sederud in a ten-rounder. To unify yep. the 168-pound division, WBA, WBC, WBO, IBF, you know. So that's so. If if Kay Taylor and Amanda Serrano is not good enough of a fight for you, another unification fight at 168 pounds, maybe not as exciting, Ooh. you know. But I mean, it could be exciting. It could be really exciting, you know. I think um, that fight's going to be pretty good. 
Yeah, I, yeah, just, yeah I don't think I just the only thing the only thing that I'm thinking that maybe it won't actually the when Cedarus fought um uh Lisa Napoleon Espinosa, I mean that was a really good exciting fight. It's just that Cedarus style, you know, her style that European style standing up kind of like upright kind of take kind it doesn't it doesn't excite me, but if Franchon Cruz goes after like she tends to do, it could be very exciting. If her For, if her if her wig falls out it, it blows. It, it becomes very exciting. <laughs> oh, the, the other thing though is that the European, the European fighters love to wear those protectors, so you can't oh, do yeah. any body punching. They basically go in there with armor, and all you can yeah. hear is their head. Let's see. That's let's the see one thing I hope New they cardigan. Yeah, let's see if New York allows her to do that. And also, we mentioned her before. Sky Nicholson will be taking on Shaniqua Paisley Davis in a six rounder, 126 pounds. So these are the fights that we're yeah. going to be talking about on our next show on May 4th. So maybe the last time that we had a pretty big mega fight, which was um, Clarissa Shields against Christina Hammer, we had a little bit of a panel here where we had like, we had Adela Ruiz, we had Mariana Juarez. Who else did we have that that's show? Right. Remember? Oh, that's right. Uh, LaKayla... Layla McCarter. Layla McCarter. And I think we had one other person, didn't we? Yeah, something like that. Maybe we we maybe we put together another panel like that and we and we take and we get their thoughts from this fight on May fourth, our next show. So that we'll try to do that for you guys, um, to talk about the result, what we saw in that mega fight, Katie Taylor against Amanda Serrano, Franchon Cruz Desern against Eileen Cederuz. And on the undercard, Sky Nicholson against Shaniqua Paisley-Davis. Our next show is scheduled for May 4th. So, from Ms. Lupi Gutierrez and Mr. David Avila, I'm Felipe Leon, and this has been the two-minute round. Good night, everybody. Good night, everybody. Good night.